Good morning, Weatherford. Uh, like Brittany said, my name is Kevin Phillips, you see on the screen, and um, I have known your pastor for over 20 years, uh, and I still like him, and I think y'all did good by hiring him. Um, I was actually serving with him in Lafayette when uh, y'all began to talk with him, so I have been praying, honestly praying for this church for many years, uh, and to, to see how God was going to use uh, Lindell's ministry, but also uh, just a great church in, a, in an amazing town. Uh, to do all that God was calling you guys to do. And so it's been fun to see that. I've been watching from a distance, but I've also been closely related because, uh, like Brittany said, Michelle, my wife, works uh, for you guys and serves you uh, through database. And so uh, I, sometimes I'm at the house when she's having video conferences with your staff, and I kind of poke my head in there and uh, make fun of them and Lindell and stuff. So but we're, I'm happy to be here. I'm really uh, excited to be here. Uh, Lindell has kind of a thing that he does. He brings in guest speakers to make him look better. And so my goal this morning is to just not do as well as him so that you would really still like him and keep him around. So if y'all would let him know that I wasn't really good and you love him more and stuff. But he is celebrating his 30th, I was about to say wedding anniversary. It's not, how long, y'all did that already, but uh, high school, high school, uh, we're the same age. We had ours as well a couple weeks ago. Uh, But I've been married to Michelle for 26 and a half years. Uh, we celebrated 26 years in June. Um, we have three amazing daughters uh, that are 22, 19, and 18, um, and living life, enjoying that. But all of our married life and a lot of our dating life, actually, towards the end and being engaged, was involved in ministry. I'm currently the discipleship pastor at First Baptist Church in Midlothian, so I'm just kind of down the road uh, doing the discipleship work with them, overseeing the preschool kids, students, and then directly involved with our adult ministries and groups and stuff like that. But for our whole marriage ministry, we've been involved in ministry. And I was a student pastor for about 15 years of our marriage. And in student ministry, loved it, loved student ministry. But began to see something in student ministry that challenged me and how I was doing student ministry. And that was, I was going, I could help kids grow, but really the prime responsibility to help kids grow and be discipled was their parents. And so began to have a switch towards going, what would it mean, what would it look like to engage our parents in discipling their kids better, uh, and just helping, discipling parents to disciple their kids. And so that was, I was getting into that, but as I got the opportunity to do that uh, down in Lafayette with, with Lindell, I began to see another trend popping up, that for an order for a parent to parent their child well, there was a direct correlation to something, and that was this that their marriage, the health of their marriage impacted how well they could parent their, their children. And begin to look at what that, what that looks like in helping them understand um, that if I'm going to disciple my child well, I, I need to work on the, uh, the primary responsibility in the primary relationship that is parenting. And so, and, and that is marriage, excuse me. And so I began to look at what that looks like and have been studying marriage ministry been studying this, the reason why marriages are so important. And so to, this morning, per Lindell's request, I want to talk to you about marriage on purpose. But before you tune me out, kind of going, okay, I've heard marriage things, or Kevin, we've been married longer than you've been alive. You know, <laughs> I get those things too. I want you to understand that this morning is more of a discipleship conversation than it is a marriage seminar. That I truly believe if we will figure things out and understand them the way God has purposed us to live the lives that we're called to live, that all aspects of our lives will be better. Parenting, um, you know, our generosity, our uh, just being a, a good worker, uh, honoring the Lord with our own lives. 
But marriage, for the sake of this conversation this morning, will be the topic. But all the four principles we're going to look at today are discipleship principles for all of us. So I want you to stay engaged with that uh, and, and for what we're going to see and what we're going to look at. And so I, I want to talk about what it means to, to have a marriage on purpose. And so in this discipleship conversation, I want to propose four purposes of marriage that you will see are the purposes for all of our lives as well. And the first purpose of marriage, and looking at that, wait, before I get to that, the other aspect of marriage that became very clear to me, for the past 12 years, I've had the privilege of serving on a staff that every Monday we take the prayer request of our church and we pray over every one of those requests. They do that, we do it now in Midlothian, we did it in Lafayette, um, in a consistent trend everywhere, both places I've been and almost every week has been, please pray for my marriage. Please pray. We see that a lot. The other one is, has to do with cancer. That's another thing that we pray a lot for. And we, uh, I hate that word and I you know, uh, hate that disease, but we are trusting the Lord all the time. But the, the other one is marriages. And so seeing that trend over and over again and seeing the impact that it makes on the families of our church, I think it's important that we spend some time this morning looking at that. And I don't want to deal with the symptoms of a marriage issue. I want to deal with truly why God gave us marriage. I think a lot of times when we talk about marriages, we deal with symptoms. We deal with, oh, they don't get along very well. They're, you know, he's got this issue, or he made this mistake, or she made this mistake. And we deal with all these symptoms. This morning, I will not spend much time on how to do marriage. I want, to, I want us to look into why did God give us marriage and kind of lean into that. So let's jump into that. The first purpose I want us to look at, you've got an outline in your, your, your guide there. You can see it on the screens as well. The first purpose is to help each other reflect God's image. We're to help each other reflect God's image. I know this is a theme that you probably hear a lot from Lindell because he just did a whole doctorate on the image of God, but um, God created us in his image, but sin has made reflecting that image impossible on our own. Sin messed everything up. You'll see this theme throughout all four purposes, that sin messed things up. A biblical marriage will have spouses who find their identity in God and are willing to help their spouse do the same. Hear me on that. That a biblical marriage and a healthy marriage will, will, be, will be a husband and a wife who are helping each other to do all that we can to fight against the, the effects of sin, but to fight towards how do we reflect the beautiful image of God in all that we do. And that's for a couple that's been married six months to a couple that's been married 50 years. That what can we do to help each other with that? God put us together for a reason on that. The other theme is that God said when you, when you leave your mom and your dad, you become, you get with your spouse, you become one. And it's in that oneness that we realize that we can reflect God's image in a beautiful way. Genesis 1 says it this way. Let me, we'll read this together. Genesis 1, starting in verse 26. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We bear God's image, but yet we live with the consequences of sin, messing up our ability to reflect that well. That's the, that's the whole struggle that we deal with in life is going, we know what we should do, but we don't, because sin has messed all that up, and sin has played a role in marriages not being able to do what they're supposed to do, as well as each one of us not being able to live the lives that we've, called, we've been called to live. It makes marriage a lot more difficult. Why? Because two imperfect people are trying to do life together and trying to do it better than, than most or whatever, but that's, our responsibility is to help each other do this. <clears throat> and hear me, hear me on this. 
regardless, again, where we, where we are in our, what life stage. Our responsibility is to help each other do this, not compete for it. Not to compete with each other, not compete for what that would look like, but to go, what can I do to, to help the other person? God put us together for the purpose of his glory more than anything else, but to help each other reflect his image in all that we do. Let me pause real quick. I get real excited about this topic, uh, and I'm probably a little nervous. I talk really fast. So if I talk way too fast, you're going, just raise your hand. I'll know what that means. I won't judge you. I'll just say, so uh, I, get, I get going in some of it. So if I get going too fast, how please just kind of, you can wave at me, and I'll, uh, I will slow it down, but then we'll be here till three. But uh, no, um, so I just want to say that out loud. That I know I talk fast, but part of that's just I'm excited to talk about what we're talking about. So this past, uh, in this past month, talking about reflecting the image and what it means to find our image in, in God, um, came into the office, uh, our receptionist came back and said, hey, someone's here and wants to see a pastor. I said, okay, and I was there, I'd be happy to. And so a retired man who I knew walks into my office and sits down in the chair next to me. I'm saying, what's going on? And he says, I've had a handful of pills in my hand since about 1 a.m. this morning, and I want to take all of them. I was like, let's talk. Um, and I'm going, and that's what, outside I'm going, let's talk. And so I'm going, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm like, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, give me the word. And so I'm just I'm having this kind of internal struggle. But I, I said, well, talk to me. And he says, um, I had to retire this year, and it's just not going well with my wife and I. I found my identity in all that I did. I, was a, I traveled a lot. Now I'm home and always home, and I can't do anything to help make her happy. I have no, I can't figure out what my purpose is. I can't figure out all this kind of stuff. And he, he's painting this picture that was pretty rough. And I, I, was, I was understanding it to the point that I could. But the whole time I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, well, what are you doing now to pursue one, your wife? What are you doing now to pursue what God's purpose is in this next season of life? But he's like, I'm trying to figure that out, but I'm just telling you from 1 a.m. till now. I said, well, we're, yeah, we, we talked through, you know, where are the pills now? And he was, he'd kind of come off the ledge on that. But in that, I, I was just struck by somebody who was trying to find their identity in a job. How much that, because it was misplaced versus finding that identity in God, being a child of God, being an image bearer of God. Now that he came to a new season of life, not only was he kind of, you know, out to sea without sails up or whatever we want to say, he had no direction. But the most important relationship to him, and he said it, was in shambles because his words were, I wanted to grant my wife an immediate divorce this morning, meaning he wanted to take his life. And his, that, that relationship was, was not where it needed to be uh, and all the things that were living out. So I say that to go, the, the evidence of, of this truth plays out in just this, this conversation I had you know, here last month or so and understanding that when that's messed up, everything's messed up, especially the most important relationship. I, I'm... I'm happy to say that he's in a better place right now and uh, God is doing some neat things and there's still some, some work that needs to be done there. But that's an evidence that we don't get past that, but if we'll embrace it, you know, our, my church family here, because we're all church together, if we'll embrace it, we'll see the beauty of what God's called us to do. Ephesians 2 says it this way, starting in verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved, not through faith. It is not from, your, not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For why? Because we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
See, what's exciting about this word workmanship in this passage, being God's workmanship means we have a purpose in our creation. And being one with our spouse means we work together for that purpose, to reflect God's image. See, by by the term workmanship, it says that we are a product of what God wants us to to be and to, to see. And since we're made in his image, we have a purpose. And and I, I, I'll make sure I, I don't get off script here because I, I like how I wrote this down. That purpose is only understood through a relationship with God. A couple that is made up of a man and a woman pursuing their godly purpose will be more likely to reflect God's image to those around them and to be an example to other couples in their lives, that they can lead them to do the same. And here's a really, really important point for all of us. We need to understand that we are entirely, sorry, I look to God to complete me, not my spouse. Let me say it again. I look to God to complete me, not my spouse. I've had the privilege of doing premarital counseling and marrying many, many couples over the last 20 plus years. And I look at them and say, let me just remind you, you can be a good wife, you can be an amazing husband, but you will both be horrible gods. You'll both be horrible Holy Spirits. That's not your role. Your role is to love your spouse, respect your spouse well, and let God do that. But I look to God to complete me, not my spouse. We need to understand this, that we are entirely sufficient. We need to be sufficient in our relationship with God that is enhanced by my relationship with my spouse, not the other way around. We need to understand that we are sufficient. God and our identity in God through Christ is what makes us sufficient to live the life, to walk towards righteousness, and to walk towards holiness. It's not the other way around that I need to figure out this, the, my spousal thing and then move forward. Why? Because we need to help each one of us reflect God's image more and more in our lives. That's number one. That leads us to purpose number two in our marriage. Moving on, and the next one is that our purpose in our marriage is to build the kingdom of God. It's to build the kingdom of God. In becoming one, a biblical marriage will embrace kingdom purposes and mutual submission to achieve kingdom goals. When we become one in our relationship, that's, to, to do that fully is to understand that we have the same purpose and mission. God's kingdom is comprised of many institutions. We see you know, God overseeing everything. He's in control of everything that takes place. He created it. He sustains it. He sees all those things. But one of the first institutions that he created after creation was the family. In Genesis 2. And discovering your role in your family will be enhanced when it's connected to the building of God's kingdom by embracing the Great Commission, even. And I, you know, I know this is a mission church, and you, that Great Commission is not foreign to you, but the, the call for all of us to go into all the world and letting people know about the beauty of who God is, and we are to baptize them in the name of the Father and Son, and we disciple them through teaching them all the things that God's called us to do understand that together as a couple. God did not put you in this relationship, put me and Michelle together, so for the purpose of me being able just to live a life and for me be happy. In the book called uh, Covenant Marriage, the, the, the subtitle of that, the tagline, is asks this question, and it's called, what if God gave you your spouse to make you holy, not happy? What if God gave us our spouse to make us holy, not just happy? The world would say, if it feels good, do it. If it want, it, do what makes you happy. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had in the last 10 years of couples who were, who were uh, separating, walking towards divorce, where one of them was being lied to daily by going, you know, apparently this, this marriage thing's not making you happy. You go embrace what makes you happy, even if it's another guy or another girl, whatever it might be. That's a lie from the, the pit of hell. It, it just is, and we see that over and over again. 
But when we think about the kingdom of God, again, that's a sermon in and of itself. But when I say the kingdom of God for the context of this, this discussion this morning, what I'm talking about is that all things that are ruled by God. That there's a leader that rules all of it, and that is our Heavenly Father. And there are three questions that we need to be answered, that need to be answered when you understand what does it mean to live under the kingdom of God, or any kingdom for that matter. The three questions are, who rules the kingdom, who follows in the kingdom, and what are the rules in following all those things? So if one of our purposes here is to build the kingdom of God, who rules it? We understand it to be God, and we, we, we bear his image. Who follows his children? His creation follows that and, and, as his child. But what are the rules? And that's, that's where marriage becomes tricky in the context of how do we build up the kingdom. Your answer to all these can be found in Psalms 103.19, the passage, the reference there is in your notes. It says this, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. The Lord has established, rules over all. What a, a great reminder uh, in all that we do. Because we are having to fight so many other messages in 2019 in the world that we live in. And I would, I would hope those with uh, more of a, uh, who've been on the earth a little longer, have a little more maturity and wisdom, are able to, to deal with those lies better. But we're raising up children, even young adults and young families, who are, who are just being bombarded constantly by messages that are contrary to what the king of the universe has put in place. Um, and so what, how do we understand that? How do we understand what the rules are? The Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, that's you know, the clearest list that we can look at of what it means to, to obey God. And we see those things lived out. Again, whole message could be on that. But when it comes to building the kingdom of God in your marriage, the key passage I want us to look at is Ephesians 5. For us to understand this, and if you, there, there are a couple of long sections of passages that we're going to look at today. But it says it a lot better than, than I can. So if you all allow me just to read uh, Ephesians 5, 21 through 32. Um, and uh, just follow along and look at what is God telling us about marriage. It says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should, submit, should submit husbands and everything. Husbands, here's our, our responsibility. Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his uh, father and mother, and he will be united with his wife, and the two shall become one. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Again, about 15 subpoints in there, but the passage of that, I'm just trusting, again, God's word, it won't return void, but also the Holy Spirit to go to look at that, what that looks like. This is a message that, again, is, is difficult in, in our culture and has been for a little while. Uh, like, what does it mean? So there's different roles for a woman and a man within the marriage relationship. And I would say the Bible's very clear, yes, it is. But we're, we're human beings who mess even that up. Even the church people mess that up. Um, I, get, I, I am not political, and I'm not going to get into politics or anything like that. 
But I think the easiest target to say is, oh, the, the culture hates marriage and with that they're the biggest enemies. We've got to figure that out. I want to challenge us this morning to say that actually the bigger attack on marriage is the church not grasping the biblical mandate that's there. And I would just challenge us all to go, what does that look like? How do I, how do I set up a standard of biblical truth versus the world's, what they're throwing out there for us to understand that? Because in that, we can build the kingdom of God when we embrace the truth of what that looks like. When we embrace our unique roles as husband and wife, according to this passage, not only will our marriages be healthier, but we'll be able to live out the purpose that God's called us to live. And we'll be able to see that it expands. Becoming one in marriage is also enhanced when we, it's easy to understand when we're both pulling in the same direction. If we're working against each other, we see that. And there, I'm assuming there are people in this, this couples in this church where one of the spouses may know the Lord and the other one doesn't. And, and to see the difficulty that that, that causes, uh, and that's not a judgment on mine going, poor you. I'm saying we, we understand when we're not going the same direction. It's hard to parent well if we're not going the same direction. It's hard to pay bills well if we're not going in the same direction. But it's also hard to carry out this purpose if we're not focused in on this is God's desire for you and for me to understand what all that looks like and, and to see those things lived out. So we're, we're to help each other reflect the image of God. We're to do all that we can to build the kingdom of God. And number three is that we are to do life together. Do life together. <clears throat> if we are created to thrive in a community better than our, on our own, and I will propose to you that is my life's passion as a, as a minister, is to help people understand that we were not meant to walk this earth alone. From the very beginning, we weren't meant to walk this this earth alone. That's why I am passionate about biblical communities. Uh, you know, we call it group group life at our church, where we get Sunday school and we have home groups. That we are not meant to be alone in any way, and we'll see that here. Um, <clears throat> if we're created a thriving community, then our marriages should be a strong example of what living life together is all about, of embracing a biblical life together. Our marriages should, should do that. That's when you look back at the end of the Ephesians passage where it says this profound mystery that we are to reflect Christ in the church. And all that we do, we're supposed to reflect the same. <clears throat> Man and woman becoming one. Here's an important thing. It's, I, I, I kind of deal with it sometimes sarcastically, but marriage predates the fall of man. Let me remind you of that, that, that women, that wasn't a part of the curse. You know, in case you're wondering, going, yeah, we have to be married. That's what, no, it's... God instituting family and marriage predates the fall of man. It's been messed up by the fall, but it was pre predates that. It was an expression of the perfection of God's plan that was destroyed by sin. Reclaiming that biblical oneness will be a lifelong pursuit that we have to work through together. And uh, in that Genesis 2, going back into Genesis, it's the foundation uh, passages. It said, and, um, 12 or 8 passages here. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from the tree of, uh, in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the good, uh, knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you certainly will die. The Lord God said, it is not good, here we go, the passage, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so then it, the passage goes on that he, he formed all the animals and he, he took a rib and, and made Eve. And says towards the end of that passage, and I know I probably messed up slide person, sorry, uh, but that this woman will be flesh of my flesh, and she, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. She was taken out of man. In understanding that it was not good for man to be alone, 
if you look back at the creation account, he made, you know, day one, he created all that he created, and he said it was good. Day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, he created man. He said it was very good. Then as he begins to look at that, the first time we see that it wasn't good was when? When it points out that it was not good for man to be what? Alone. And so in that, we see that he's created us for purpose. A, a theme all throughout Scripture is the community aspect of who we are as humanity. That we see that in Adam and Eve, but we also see it in governments and, and how God put everything put all those things together. We see it in the life of Christ and bringing the disciples around him and understand, helping them understand the same things. And so we, then we look on to that, to the 2 Corinthians 5 passage, that reminds us of the ministry of reconciliation. It starts off by saying, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we, we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here, and all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself, Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to that message of reconciliation. Key here in all that we're looking at. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made, made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Reconciliation, a huge key phrase here, reconciliation because we were meant to be in relationship with our creator, to be reconciled this way, but also reconciled this way with each other. And that is a, to me, that could be a theme verse for every marriage, every relationship, child, co-worker, that we are to be made, that we are to be with each other. If more couples could keep this purpose in front of them, I believe it would be less of a, we, I would see less of those prayer requests each week as a staff member, and I would love to see marriage counselors go out of business. Now, if you're, you are one, I love what you do, but I would just love uh, for marriages to be that much healthier uh, in all that they see and all that they do. And so that brings us to the fourth and final purpose on that, and it is we have a purpose of making a new family, making, to make a new family. Another of God's purposes is to help maturing adults, hear me on this, because this is, this is difficult this, in this generation more than any other one. God's purpose in marriage is to help maturing adults go from dependence of their parents through the creation of a new family for the building up of each other and therefore become more dependent on God and even their spouse to understand life and understand their, their walk with the, with the Father. We see that, a reminder of that in Genesis 2 where it talks about that, you know, at the end of that, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one flesh. It's because that, that God's called them to, to see that happen. A symptom of this purpose not being lived out in our culture is in new families that are growing, that have a growing dependence on their parents even after the wedding day. And to see that lived out in many ways and many uh, uh, facets. Uh, you know, at all, that's not how God purposed that. This isn't a, uh, you know, a, a dating uh, exercise. It's actually when a biblical marriage begins, it is, it is the first step to going, one, my dependence on being an image bearer to God is there, but now I've got somebody to be one with to live life and all that I'm supposed to do. Um, and that's a two-way street for the, for the couple getting married, but also for the parents to let go. And I don't have time to get into that and, and judge a lot of you, but I won't do that today. But to say, you know, to let them go and live the life that they've called to live. Um, and 
that's not just a good idea that we become a new family, become a new unit. Uh, it's biblical. And all that we see and all that we see, see happening here. Because why? Because God has said, I want to start something new with you, with your spouse. And in that, you will become a new family. And in that, you will see me do great, great bigger things. And that uh, the Ephesians 5 passage again says that again. That's, you know, we'll leave his father and mother and be united with the wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And the verse that we looked at earlier. Our dependence on God is crucial in this area. When we submit to God's authority in our lives, we start with an understanding of God's gracious power and our shortcomings. It's an important understanding. When we strive to embrace a biblical marriage, we look to understand the differences we have and see those differences as opportunities to help each other. The Second Corinthians 13 passage, you know, when we are weak, God is strong. The same thing that we, we see that. It creates a dependence on his power through life. Your spouse and your different weaknesses and strengths allow you to become unified in doing life well. Why? Because we understand that we are in this together. There are no off-ramps. We need to figure out, walk, walk through them. And that's why we're, we're called to become one. And the last little section on that is that this is the importance of your marriage on your parenting. Um, actually, being a parent sometimes can mask and can hide some of the issues that are going on in your marriage. And the reality is, is we need to make that first, first and foremost. Uh, the best way we, we showed our children that we were, we were each other's uh, priority is that Michelle and I went to Disney World without them. Thank you very much. Uh, they, you know, they're like, but I was like, no, she's my girl. Y'all are just, you know, my daughter. But yeah, we, we did for an anniversary trip. They're like, you, I said, yeah, this is important. We're going we're gonna to see that lived out. We, we show it other ways too. You know, we, we make sure they know they're number two, not number one. But, um, but in that, we need to understand what that looks like. Uh, and you may not have kids yet, or you, your kids may be in the, the, the far rearview mirror uh, as far as adults, those kind of things. But we love each other, and we were, we were called to be, become one that answers another aspect of this familyhood, and that is that we were to be fruitful and multiply, that the, 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 uh, the beauty of the, the union that God's called us to and intimacy creates kids, and in that we can understand how to lead and love them well and put them on a trajectory to live these things out. So these are the four whys of marriage, as I want to propose to you this morning, that, that the Bible's real clear on, that we are to reflect the image of God, we're to build the, image, build the kingdom of God, and we're to do life together, and we begin a new family in all that we say and all we do. So I want to challenge three different groups in here uh, quickly, that kids, if you're in here, I want you to pray for your, your current family, no matter where you are in life, to pray for your parents, to help them. To, to love each other well, but also to parent you well, to pray for yourself that you would be, you would be led well and you would allow them to love you that way. Uh, adults, young adults, medium adults, I want you to embrace these purposes for your marriage. Maybe just that, I, I don't think I, I pronounced anything, wow, I had no idea. The Bible's been clear about these things, but to embrace those purposes for your marriage now or maybe a future marriage wherever you might be in your life. And I would encourage you to discuss with your spouse how you both could embrace one of these better in the coming days and weeks, maybe for the holidays. And then for my senior adult brothers and sisters, um, I want you to embrace these purposes as well for your marriages, but I also want you to be challenged to accept a, a, a task today, if I can challenge you with this. For those of you who have adult children who are in marriages and that kind of stuff, that you would lead your children and their, their, their spouses, not controlling, not micromanaging, but that you would, through the lens of the purposes, not through symptoms, 
not to you know what they're doing, but to go to lead them and pray for them that you would pray that they would understand their image bearers and they can help each other. That you would pray for them to understand what the kingdom of God is and how they as a couple could embrace it. And in doing so, their marriages are going to be much healthier. That, that there would be an intentionality from those who have grown children who are in marriages to lead in a way that would be uh, honoring to the Lord and to, to, to your children as well. And then for everyone, and I'm going to end here, to take this conversation, again, as one of a discipleship conversation that says, no matter what, what I'm looking at trying to figure out in life, that it would be this book that is the standard I'm going I'm to judge that by. Because what we looked at today of, why, of embracing the why of marriage was this, was understanding this is what God has called us to, to live out. So whatever it might be in your life and you're trying to figure out, no matter what's going on, that the, the Bible would be your standard to live by in all that you do. Um, and again, because this is a discipleship conversation, our, my role as a child of God is to reflect his image, is to build his kingdom, is to understand that in all that I say and all that I do, that I will, will help him, I'll be a part of, of carrying out all that he's called me to be. And I will embrace what it means to be a husband and a daddy in a way that I can honor him and hopefully have daughters who then live for him as well and have kids who live for him and, and those type of things. And so I, want, I just want to challenge you with that and that, that's our responsibility individually. But if you're married, you have a, a beautiful opportunity to share that life and to share that responsibility with, with, with that spouse and what you're going to look at.